Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Dr. Robert Faton Jr., Robert is a professor in the Department of Politics at the University of Virginia. He is the author of a large number of scholarly articles, as well as several books, including The Guise of Exceptionalism, published just last year. He is the recipient of the 2011 Award for Excellence of the Haitian Studies Association. Let's hear what he has to say about the Haitian Revolution. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, glad to meet you, and thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so we're trying to understand the events leading up to the revolt in Haiti. Uh, so we'd like to go a little bit back. Columbus mm-hmm. sets foot in 1492. Yep. <laughs> Hispaniola is a Spanish colony. And then two centuries later, the western third of the island becomes the French colony known as Saint-Domaine. And why, does the, why did the Spanish cede the territory to the French? Well, there was an agreement between the Spanish and the and the French, and uh, what is now Haiti, Saint Domingue, uh, became part of the French Empire. Now, the the Spanish got there, as you said, uh, with Columbus in 1492, and immediately afterwards, by the early 1500s, slavery was established 
on Hispaniola. First, it was slavery with the indigenous uh, people. They were called Taino. There were about 700,000 of them at the beginning of the Spanish, you know, occupation or taking over of Hispaniola. But very soon, something like 50 years afterwards, the whole Taino population was essentially decimated. Now, there had been very early on some uh, slaves coming from Africa. Actually, the first slaves who arrived uh, in Hispaniola from uh, West Africa, that was also in 1502. So, but the uh, chain of events that led to the transformation of Hispaniola into the most prosperous colony of the French Empire entailed massive uh, slave uh, tr transportation to Hispaniola. So, by the time of uh, the beginning of the Haitian Revolution in 1791, uh, the population was basically a slave population. It was a very divided uh, slave population because you had slaves who were born in Hispaniola itself, and then you also had the slaves who had come from Africa, first generation, and that meant that you had a division within the slave population itself between what was called the Creole, that is to say, slaves who were born in Haiti, they represented a minority, and then the so-called Bosal, who represented the vast majority of slaves. So at the time of the beginning of the revolution in 1790, there are about 465,000 slaves. There were uh, whites, obviously, those were the, the slave owners, but the whites were also divided between what was called the Grand Blanc, I mean, the big white people, as it were, the literal uh -huh. translation. Those were the plantation owners with massive holding uh, uh, of slaves. And there were about uh, 30,000 whites. And then there were the Petit Blanc, the small whites, as it were. Those were people who didn't have much property, but they were white. So therefore, they had uh, a superior status in uh, Hispaniola. And finally, you had the so-called free colors, or what was called also the affranchis. And the affranchis were free men, as it were. And most of them were what we call in Haiti mulatos, in other words, descendants of whites and blacks. But there were also some blacks. And actually, one of the very interesting paradoxes of the Haitian Revolution is that one of its, few, one of its main leaders, that is to say, Toussaint Louverture was born a slave. He was freed, and then he became a slave owner. And after becoming a slave owner, he obviously fought against slavery, and he was the fundamental leader uh, that led to the revolution, organized it, although he, wa he wasn't there at the time of Haiti's independence because he had been captured by the French and sent to France where he died. Uh, so then you had different leaders, uh, you know, and major leaders like Dessalines, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, the founder of uh, the country. Then you had uh, Pétion and then Henri Christophe. So those were the key leaders. There were others, if you want to get into it, because there were plenty of divisions between the different factions 
of the uh, revolutionary forces. So, uh, yes, I, I would like to get into uh, the 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 different factions uh, of of the people who were um, fighting for the revolution. Um, I I also want to talk about the um, just the conditions uh, that in the in the fields and and you know because I we read that these were some of the harshest uh, conditions in 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 the uh, Americas and that the mortality rate of those. Uh, enslaved was was extremely high. What, what were those conditions like? Well, those conditions were really vicious, uh, and they stemmed from something that was called uh, le code noir, which is essentially the French establishing rules of conduct to treat slaves. But those rules of conduct were really ultimately extremely brutal, and you can see that with the decimation not only of the uh, Africans who came to Hispaniola, but clearly with the decimation of the Taino, the indigenous population. So you have a tremendous amount of exploitation. And that meant that you needed to replace the slaves. And this is why the so-called Bosal were tended to be always in the majority. At the time of the revolution, two-thirds of the slave population was Bosal. People who had just arrived uh, from uh, Africa. Uh, so that meant, therefore, that uh, the conditions on the plantations uh, were uh, really uh, horrible. You're talking about torture. You're talking about people being put in holes and then covered with uh, uh, honey and letting you know uh, insects come and destroy them. You were talking about what was called the wheel, where the body was extended and uh, destroyed. So those were absolutely horrible conditions. And not surprisingly, you had uh, continuous attempts on the part of the slaves uh, to revolt. The so-called Maroons uh, were a very important element of uh, that kind of struggle, although there were contradictions there again, because you had uh, the Maroons community, which had gained some degree of freedom from the white plantation owners, but uh, they established themselves in the mountains and they were not necessarily allied with the other slaves because they feared that if they welcomed too many of them, then the white plantation owners would punish them with, you know, the kind of brutality that uh, they had uh, traditionally um, uh, used to treat the slaves. But nonetheless, that was a significant element in this struggle for freedom that you had those marooned communities, people who wanted to escape from uh, the vicious hold of the plantation economy. So the plantation economy was very brutal. Uh, people work uh, you know, most of the time. And, uh, they were, and there you also had divisions because you had what was called the commander. And the commander were slaves, but they had a better status than the slaves. They were the people who were disciplining the slaves. So the system of exploitation at all kinds of levels, it was color, it was uh, race, it was class, and clearly within the slave community, you had divisions, and then you had the affranchi. And that's an important uh, section of uh, the uh, community of Saint-Domingue insofar as the affranchi, when the French Revolution occurred in 1789, 
they wanted you know, full rights. They wanted to be full citizens, but they were not yet prepared to give those rights to the larger uh, slave population. Uh, that came only afterwards, after significant struggle. And eventually, uh, you know, the whites who were uh, the main beneficiaries of the system decided that they were not going to compromise and they were not going to extend the franchise to the Afranchi. So at that point, clearly, the Afranchi had to turn to the uh, slave population in order to fight the whites. And that's what happened. Uh, On the other hand, again, the contradictions are massive because, as you may know, many of the generals of the Haitian Revolution, including Toussaint, were generals in the French army. At one point, they were in the the Spanish, but they shifted. There were all kinds of opportunistic moves to try to liberate, as it were, the slaves. But eventually, they were all French generals. So by the time, uh, you know, the revolution was almost completed. Uh, Toussaint in 1801 promulgates a constitution that says that uh, Haiti has abolished uh, slavery. Uh, But at the same time, he wanted to keep Haiti within the French empire, which is another Mm -hmm. tension. Uh, And the French uh, started to change their tune with the ascendancy of Napoleon, who wanted to reestablish and actually reestablish slavery and at that point, Toussaint understood that uh, that was going to be problematic. Uh, but he still believed that the French could be dealt with and that the Haitians could get autonomy within the French uh, empire. Uh, eventually, that didn't work out. As I've said, Toussaint Louverture was captured, sent to the Fort de Joux near a town called Besançon in north uh, East uh, France, he dies there. And as a result of that, all of the other uh, Haitian generals who had been divided uh, unite against the French. And this is when Toussaint is declared the leader of the revolutionary forces. And eventually, Toussaint, Christophe, Pétion, and others uh, uh, managed to beat the French and eventually declare the independence of Haiti in 1804. So that's where we were at 1804 in independence. And it was a very costly uh, revolution. Uh, More than 25% of the total population was killed during the revolution. Uh, Something like 100,000 former slaves uh, uh, were killed. Uh, A significant number of the white population was also killed, those who didn't manage to exit, something like 30,000 French uh, uh, whites were, were killed in the process. And the economy was completely devastated because it depended on sugar and coffee. And during the revolution, uh, one of the slogans was uh, in Creole, it meant uh, essentially that you have to burn the houses and cut the heads. In other words, you had to burn the plantations and cut the heads of the slave owners. And when you did that, the fundamentals of the economy were also destroyed. And that explains, to some extent, the economic problems that Haiti uh, was going to face and problems that have never really uh, disappeared since the period of independence. Now, I want to go back uh, a little bit and and ask about Vincent Og. I hope I'm saying that correctly. 
v- Vincento G. Uh, when who was he? And and he from what we've read, he he was the one who started uh, the first revolt. Uh, what was his story? Well, he was one of the one of the leaders of the revolution. There were several others. I mean, there is you may have uh, picked that uh, that name Wakaima, which was the Vodou ceremony where uh, 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 supposedly a Vodou priest named Bukman uh, mobilized the population and said that it was high time uh, to revolt. So you had a series of major figures at that mm-hmm. point. Uh, many of them died in the process, and eventually the key leaders was, as I've said, uh, Toussaint, uh, Dessalines, Pétion, and Christophe. And what is interesting is that some of those uh, uh, people uh, were extremely young. I mean, uh, you know, they were in their 20s uh, or early 30s. Uh, so you had a, a very uh, young revolutionary uh, group of cadres uh, that managed to uh, use what was essentially guerrilla warfare in order to uh, destroy uh, the French. But as I've said, there were divisions. Uh, you know, there was at one point uh, the so-called War of the South, where Rigaud, who was a, a mulatto, uh, didn't want actually to uh, accept uh, equality with the with the slaves, and he was defeated by Toussaint and, and Dessalines. So you have all of those conflicts that are very much part of the Haitian uh, Revolution, and as you know. Jean-Jacques Dessalines becomes the leader of an independent uh, Haiti, is an emperor, but he is very quickly assassinated. Uh, you know, so he was the first one of the of an independent Haiti assassinated, and then uh, Haiti breaks up into two main parts: the south and the north. The south is uh, Pétion, and the north is Christophe, and it's only. Uh, the death of Pétion and Christophe, that the country reunites under uh, Jean-Pierre Boyer. Uh, And Boyer is known also for the guy who accepted to pay the indemnity, the so-called indemnity uh, to the French, the 150 million uh, francs to the French so that the French would recognize the independence of the country. Can you tell us a little bit more about the indemnity? Uh, just because I feel like this is something that is not known as 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 well. Yeah, well, there there is a lot to say about the indemnity. I mean, you there was a series, a very recent series, in the New York Times about it. Uh, most Asians know about it, obviously. Uh, now there are different uh, interpretations of the indemnity. The dominant one, if you wish, is the one that the New York Times has put forward. That is to say that uh, with the indemnity, Haiti was condemned to end the development, and this is really the roots of the uh, problems with, uh, with, with Haiti. In other words, the underdevelopment of Haiti is basically linked to uh, that indemnity, which was a huge amount of money for a poor society like Haiti. Now, there is a lot of truth to that. On the other hand, one must understand that the negotiations between the Haitian leaders, and it goes with Pétion and uh, 
Boyer with the French are negotiations about the recognition of Haiti. The ruling groups in Haiti who were extremely exploitative and have remained so uh, wanted to make sure that the, the property that they had seized from the former colonial masters, uh, well, that property was not going to change hands and that the French were not going to come back and take it again. So in order to defend their own particular class interest, they accepted to pay the indemnity. In other words, they knew that if they didn't pay it, well, the French probably would bomb Haiti and take it over again. I mean, Mm -hmm. there was you know, a, a flotilla of French uh, 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 boats in the harbor of Port-au-Prince threatening uh, Boyer if Boyer didn't accept the agreement. On the other hand, Boyer was keen on accepting the agreement so that recognition of the independence of Haiti would be affirmed and the property of the Boyer and the ruling groups would also be ultimately uh, uh, confirmed that they wouldn't be threatened by the French. So you had an opportunistic, if you wish, convergence of interest between the French, uh, who wanted the indemnity, and clearly uh, the ruling groups of Haiti. So one has to be very careful about uh, you know, the kind of unilateral mm. uh, explanation that doesn't give ultimately agency uh, to the Haitians themselves. Uh, and clearly... The debt was a huge problem for Haiti, but the people who really paid the debt were not the ruling class. They were the poor peasants. Those were the people who were taxed beyond belief in order to pay for that indemnity. And the indemnity has has been calculated, uh, represents, if you were to put it in in real terms now, something like $20 billion. Now, that's a considerable amount of money. Uh, the thing with, with the indemnity, too, is that the French at one point reduced it. They reduced it in, I think it was 1838, uh, so that it, it came down to uh, something like 60 million. But nonetheless, in order to pay for it, the Haitian state had to get debt after debt after debt. So while the indemnity was ultimately paid in... Uh, I think it was 1882, don't quote me on that, but I think it was around that point. But they had accumulated all of that to pay that debt. So it, it, it's, it, it generated all of the problems that, that we know. Now, whether they, you know, if, you're, if the money had stayed in Haiti, what would have happened? No one really can tell. Uh, many people say that the country would have industrialized, et cetera, et cetera. But it may also be that the country would not have industrialized and that the bulk of that uh, money would have been used by the ruling classes for their own purposes. In other words, there was extreme levels of uh, corruption, even at that time. So what we are talking about is really a question mark. But it is clear, nonetheless, to say that the debt was not helpful, to put it mildly, in the uh, uh, further development uh, uh, of the island. And when you talk about the development of Haiti, one has to obviously take into consideration that the country was a pariah nation at the time in the world system because we were operating in a world uh, where white supremacy was the rule. So Haiti was essentially cordoned off as 
a republic uh, uh, of uh, barbarians. Uh, uh, and Thomas Jefferson actually called it the Republic of the Cannibals. So that gives you an idea of the feelings that uh, uh, white uh, uh, power, white powers had about uh, Haiti. It was considered to be a threat to the uh, to slavery. It was considered to be a threat uh, to the security of the Caribbean, and obviously a threat uh, to the production of sugar and the production of coffee, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we ask all of our guest experts this question. At the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the injustice and inequality that led to the French to the uh, Haitian Revolution. Who or what would that be? Well, clearly, the brutality of slavery uh, incited the revolution. The slaves in Haiti did not need to be told by the French Revolution that they were being exploited. Now, the French Revolution was a vehicle through which those who were revolting uh, could uh, essentially mobilize better and ultimately uh, fight slavery. But slavery itself is the key thing. Uh, Now, one of the paradoxes, obviously, and this is why to some extent Haiti is unique, that it's the only successful slave revolution and the only successful slave revolution that led to the creation of a nation state. But the cost of being the first black independent nation was massive. As I said, we were a paria nation. You had the indemnity. There were all kinds of embargoes on the island. And that contributed to the underdevelopment of Haiti. Now, the key leader is difficult to tell. Toussaint was clearly a a, a genius in terms of military uh, capacity. uh, But he had his ambiguities, as I've said. One of the things that I didn't mention, but is worth mentioning, is that in order to revive the Haitian economy, all of the Haitian leaders, starting with Toussaint, going to uh, Dessalines, Pétion, uh, Christophe and Boyer, they wanted to reestablish some sort of servile labor on the plantations. That's not because they wanted to do that, because they wanted to reestablish some vicious system. It's simply the economic realities of the country. If Haiti was to survive, it needed to reestablish its uh, plantation economy produce sugar because that was the main thing at the time. But in order to do so, you needed to have servile labor. Uh, and they, all of those leaders promulgated what was called in Haiti code rural. In other words, rural codes that were very much uh, brutal systems. They were not slavery, but nonetheless brutal uh, uh, systems to impose uh, forced labor on the population. And that failed. Uh, most of the former slaves who had been liberated clearly were not going to go and accept that. They were not going to put up with a new system of exploitation. So they escaped and they created their own little plots. Now, that generated a peasant economy, which meant that Haitians could be fed 
but eventually it became a real problem for the further development uh, uh, of the economy because land was divided and redivided. And you had obviously the major leaders of the Haitian Revolution and their descendants who controlled a lot of the lands. But that meant that peasants were no longer controlled by the government. Uh, so you had a system that was extremely decentralized ultimately. And that changes only very late in the ballgame. Uh, but it's something that was clearly one of the fundamental contradictions of the Haitian Revolution. You get your freedom, but in, the, in order to reestablish some sort of economic uh, vitality, you need to reestablish some sort of servile uh, forced labor. So you had those tensions. So Haiti, as I've said, paid uh, an immense price in being the first uh, and actually the only uh, slave population to revolt and to create uh, an independent republic. Uh, not to say that Haitians didn't have their part in the problems that we face, but it's uh, you know kind of a confluence between external and internal factors that uh, has led to the very problem that we still face in this 21st century. Robert, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and helping us understand, you know, this uh, very complicated history. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. I know I say I've said this before, you guys, but and I and I told Robert, I told him if I was in your class, I would be so happy and I'd be raising my hand to ask you so many questions all the time. I'd probably be a nuisance, honestly. Now, you I want to be clear, you wouldn't be raising your hand out of confusion because he he's uh, you're unable no, to understand no, no. him. You'd be raising the hand to to incite him to talk <laughs> yes, more. Yes, I would be because like because of yes, how yes. you'd be like Hermione Granger in the like Harry Potter world. He'd be like, "Yes, Rebecca." Like, <laughs> What this time? <laughs> I wish. Oh. <laughs> um, just you know, so so fascinating, and it's it's such a complex, complicated history that, and and I felt like he really gave us the yeah. the, the broad. It gave us a really broad understanding. No, of- it was excellent. And he also br- drew it to today, like you said in the interview, which was really helpful in understanding what the complications are, the difficulty is in Haiti today, which is, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, he is, as he, as he mentioned, it, you know, drawing out like how that became, that became a problem. It was really fascinating to hear him sort of draw those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting too, just to talk about the paradox of the way this system that was set up, which was not sustainable because it was built on like literally the backs of human beings, but just like the the problem of a new nation trying to develop and thrive, like saddled with a huge amount of debt. Like you, yeah. you liken it to like a college graduate today. It's like you get out of college and you yeah. suddenly have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and you're not really getting paid much based on that degree. Like how are you actually supposed to build any kind of success based off that? So true. Like a success model. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, so many, so many things he said were were just fascinating. And well, you know, I, 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 what I, what I keyed into, um, one of the things was the threat to white power after yeah. the revolt mm-hmm. happened, and how America sort of, and Jefferson coined the term the Republic of Cannibals. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you gotta, you gotta think how uh, devastating that kind of thing is, and Ugh. you know, as an as a new nation trying to establish yourselves right you know not being able to you know the just the negative pr campaign that you're up against yeah, right. basically which is a bunch of just fear no from allies, the whites that's no like don't come and take our slaves uh <laughs> don't we don't want our slaves to know that they can just fucking yeah. uh well they have, were up against white supremacy right. i mean mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. just and it seemed so complicated too when he was talking about just like the the system of exploitation at every level was all right. based on color and race mm-hmm. and class like how um, navigating that like it seemed it seems very yeah yeah it's amazing that the revolution happened and that they won their freedom and it, it's unfortunate that it feels like still to this day they're being punished for it and and pained yeah. for it by mm-hmm. like yeah I mean, just the extreme debt, the poverty, like they just can't pull themselves out of it, you know? So and he he talked a lot about the different leaders uh, of the revolution. There were some uh, new leaders that he, he discussed. There was also, uh, oh, the indemnity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was we were, fascinating. We were just talking about but the, how, how it billion got dollars paid. Is, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. how it was reduced. It was so interesting. Now, 
at the end of the day, he ended up blaming brutality of slavery. Mm -hmm. The nature of it. I mean, it sounded really, it's like disgusting to even think about, but it sounded just truly awful. Yeah. And we, yeah, I feel like we kind of took a different approach when we were doing our episode. And remind us, Clayton, uh, what we ended up uh, sending to the alarmist jail. We threw Christopher Columbus in the alarmist jail and we gave conscious <laughs> indifference the big slap. Mm-hmm. Columbus, because, you know, he, he yeah. came to the new world and kind of <laughs> set a precedent, was, yeah. I think, our, our line of thinking. And we went. Alicia <laughs> was really, ex- <laughs> Alicia, I guess, is really into getting. Uh, yes. The yeah. Jail. Yeah. And, and then the conscience indifference because it just seemed like people were looking the other way. Right. The conscious the indifference way. is sort of like the psychological mindset mm-hmm. we tried to get a little bit psychological about of, of the brutality of slavery. Mm-hmm. Right. I yes. mean, I think you can. Kind I, of, I, I th- yeah, I think because you can't miss it. Like it's it was it was that in your face. I wonder if we change it up and. We go with Robert's suggestion and we send the brutality of slavery to the alarmist jail and we slap Columbus. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I, I just it just feels well, like blaming one person doesn't is not as satisfying as blaming sure. the big group of people that came together. Yeah, not um, only the, and allowed it to happen. To me, um, while Columbus maybe definitely deserves a slap in that he's like okay, he came here first and sort of set the tone, right? Yeah, he but but to build an entire economy based on this brutal and mm-hmm. um, grotesque system, maybe maybe that is the way to go. And in, in this particular case, when we're talking about the revolution, yeah, mm-hmm. which is you know throwing off that um, that system. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I'm going to call it Christopher Columbus. You're getting the big slap. Slavery. You're going to the alarmist jail. Well, that that feels better, I okay. think, for me. Mm-hmm. And and I think let's let's go with Robert's pitch for for that one. Sometimes you just you go with the guest expert. Well, the guy's written books. He's <laughs> he knows kind of knows what he's doing. Sounded expert. real smart. <laughs> yeah, I think let's do it. <laughs> um, uh, I got to thank Robert for um, joining us today, and everyone. Uh, just a reminder before we go. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you haven't already, it's really, really important. We'd really appreciate it because it's really what keeps us going here. Our The visibility of the podcast is the only way to attract new Alarmy members. And I also want to remind everyone, after our mailbag episode uh, last week, we asked for the Alarmy to email us and send us their thoughts about what is alarming you right now. What is your mini alarm? What is something that's keeping you up at night? We want to know. We're going to do a special episode where we just discuss uh, what's keeping the alarmy up at night. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So Mm -hmm. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And tune in next week because we are going to be discussing the case of the stolen ruby red slippers. Erios. Powered by ACAST.